Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hey, good morning, Fred. Good morning. Well, topping the latest Smart Driving Cars newsletter is the Waymo blog, Waypoint. And the post there is titled, Why I Ride with Waymo, Mike. And it says, Mike, who is picked as an early rider for the Waymo program, takes it to work, even sold off one of the two family cars and takes family and friends on Waymo rides just to watch their reactions sometimes. He also says the Waymo driver, the autonomous system, like human drivers, has a bit of a personality with, with all of the rides being slightly different. The interesting uh, blog post. Here. Well, I think it's an interesting blog post. I think it's out there saying that, you know, just people will use it. Uh, um, um, and I think that's good. I think it's good for Chandler. Um, and, but, you know, at times I have, um, I just wish they were in Trenton, okay, instead of Chandler. I guess that's that's kind of my key. Of course, why do I want Trenton? I want want this, all this to be brought into something that I'm interested in, as opposed to something somebody else is interested in. Of course, I'm I'm total narcissist on this one. I guess, and people might be get getting tired of it. But you know, Chandler is a fantastic place for Waymo and others to test these vehicles. And as we've said several times, and I hate to be repeating it all the time um, on, the, on this blog and in the smart driving car e-letter, maybe people are you know, just getting totally tired by this. You know, we don't wanna be Frank Sinatra in the development of these things. Uh, you know, we don't want to as, as GM, I think, put their, pinky or their toe into that water at one point said, hey, we're going to go to Manhattan and do this. <laughs> and it took them about 12 seconds to realize, oh, my goodness, <laughs> was that is that going to be a, a whatever poop show or whatever? <sighs> and luckily, they backed out of that. This, this is not Frank Sinatra. Let's find the toughest thing to do and let's do that. Or let's make sure it can drive in fog or or heavy snow when when Governor Murphy in New Jersey says, "Hey, everybody, stay home." But the autonomous vehicles will be out there, the level five SAE vehicles out there leading the way. I, come on, you know that's that's not what we're trying to do. And maybe later on we'll even get get to the little thing about the about the the guys trying to develop. Uh, um, a quiet supersonic um, aircraft, a business craft will back off and decide, you know, not to do that one, and they, which they have. <sighs> let's try the, to do the, this. The idea let's here, try to they're, do... they're trying to they're trying to show yeah, people in Chandler that yeah, okay, if you run the numbers, this is a good idea. But that's I, I, not where your point is. That's not really where the big need is. Well, the, the, no, it, it is. It is where it should be in the beginning to show that it works somewhere, as opposed to if it works here, it will work everywhere. The Frank Sinatra thing was, hey, you can do it in New York. You can do it anywhere, right? I mean, that's whatever. 
whatever the, the cliche was with respect to that. But here, no, that's not, I mean, sure, we can try that. We can go out and see if we can do the toughest one. And then, of course, if you can do that, then everything else is easy. This isn't easy. And we should be trying to do it, of course, make it work in the easiest place. And probably, I guess, you know, certainly one of the easiest, if not the easiest place is Chandler, Arizona. Okay, why? Because, of course, you they probably don't have fog. They they don't have snow. I guess. I guess, I don't know. I've never. I don't. I've never been there, so I shouldn't comment. But but it is an easy place. Okay, and 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 that doesn't mean that achieving it there, you haven't achieved something. You leave, this is this is a long journey in which you have to take it one step at a time. So let let's at least take the first step correctly. And they have done. They have done a great job in doing the first step correctly. The problem with, with Chandler is there is a 2% of the family, only 2% of the family don't have access to a car. And I don't know what the number is, like 12, another 12 or 14% have access to only one car. So Waymo is out there with this technology trying to compete to get people to use it. They want to make it a business. That means you have to put a product out there that somebody's going to want to buy, want to buy, decide to buy, not told to buy. And they're going to they're going to compare it to what they've been using. And that means comparing it to having a private car available to you. Now, you know, I'm a big fan of level five, level four, or really driverless cars. But for them to really be better than a car that I have sitting out there, you know, 80 feet from me that is waiting like a little puppy dog just wanting to do whatever it can for me. That is, a, that is a big competitive hurdle. An enormous competitive hurdle. And so, yes, we again might be able to get there. That is our Manhattan thing with this. But my goodness, maybe we should look at, at, our, at the potential customer set here and say, hey, you know, Kornhauser, for whatever reason, has been able to have a car, you know, 80 feet away, just waiting for like a puppy, you know, to just do whatever pleases them. But maybe for some other people, geez, they, you know, they really could use what Waymo has developed today. And as they look at their options, my goodness, I wanna do that. And if they can give it to me affordably and it can do that, and I can go to, to get a better job or I can go to the synagogue or I can go to, to the library or I can go play basketball or I can go do all those other things. 
man, as I look at my options and how to do that, man, they're out there on top. They're buyers. I mean, that's that's what that's what consumers are all about. You know, we as consumers, we look, you know, duh, duh, at some point we're all rational in our own rationality and we decide, yo, we're going to buy that. And we reach down that pocket as far as we can and grab as much as we have and whatever, and we choose to buy that. Now, for some other people who have a lot more, they say, well, yeah. but they, you know, the, there are constraints, there are environmental, there are world conditions around each of this. That have us choose this, choose that, and that's 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 been at least my argument for for and a lot of other people's arguments too for why the the market for this is in the Trentons of this world, at least at the beginning. We can get the Manhattan, maybe. We can get to the well-to-do people in Chandler, or the places. But in Trenton, more than 60% of the families who live there have access to at most one car. So maybe, you know, and the number of, of zeros, I think it's 16, you can look it up. Okay, 16%, there is an enormous number of families who their option is what? Walk. Now, if you're only going to the second floor in a building, then whether or not you take an elevator or you take the stairwell, eh, pretty much of a toss up. And if you, they don't even give you an elevator, eh, who cares? We'll walk, we'll walk up one flight. But if the things you're trying to go to are in the 14th floor, there better be an elevator there. Otherwise, you're taking the stairwell. So from a consumer choice perspective, from an individual perspective, facing what they'd like to do, stairwell or elevator, huh, it's pretty easy. Waymo comes to Trenton or Ford Argo or GM Cruise. They put that out there. They have to be safe in Chandler and in Trenton and wherever they do it. So that's not an issue. The issue is, is the, the, what is the, the value proposition given to the individual? And the value proposition given to the individual in Trenton is if I have within, you know, a, a five minute walk and I, happen to have the capability to walk and this thing is going to take me to where I want to go as opposed to me having to walk all the way or wait for whatever for a bus or who knows what the bus doesn't go there that's what the stairwell looks like to them I think whereas Waymo can look like the elevator geez Waymo's they're a hero. People don't have to make up things. Plus, the people that do have cars, two cars in Trenton, the few that do, may say, why the heck do I need two cars? 
My, like, both like my this, wife like, and I, like both my too, wife yeah. and I have been trying to get to $15 an hour jobs so that we can afford to have a half decent life here. And we both were, you know, had to go two different directions. So we both needed that. Now we might only need one. That's the message that I would like to see Waymo deliver. Okay. And as, you, as you've pointed out many times, Alan, there you use Trenton as an example, but there are many, many. <laughs> it turns out, you know, it turns out you look at the auto ownership rate and in, in, in Scranton, Pennsylvania, it's, it's about the same as Trenton. You look at the, you look at the, uh, at the, um, 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 uh, household income distribution, Trenton, Scranton, Chandler, huh. <laughs> you know, two curves are look very similar. Chan, where's Chandler? And it's great that Chandler's there. Love it. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Wish that everybody in Trenton would be like that. Wish that everybody in Scranton would be like that. And we know who used to live in Scranton. And we hope he's listening because he can help. I mean, he can, he can help on this one. He can help not developing the the technology, not doing the AI piece of this, not getting the thing that that's that's really expensive. I mean, look at the amount of money that the that 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 the, that the industry, uh, that this private sector, the soft banks of this world have put into the technology. Why? Because I guess they've seen that there's a business out there for this, and there is a business out there for this. And that business starts in the Trentons of this world where this thing is so much better. You know, if you look at cell technology, if you look at communications technology, what really made it better? Because it made it better in places that didn't have the copper. They didn't have the copper wire. And all of a sudden you had this, this ability to communicate without having to put the copper infrastructure in there thing went nuts okay here we have the opportunity we don't have to build guideways and things like that for mobility we can use the roads we already have and we'll get to this later and they only need paint and then we can make this happen so in in a sense if you take there's been the technology piece private sector has done that is doing that is invested enormously the the federal government didn't have enough money doesn't have enough money to do that but they certainly can help with the sociology piece and the business piece and get it to places and, and allow it instead of these things being developed for for uh, not people like me the one percenters I'm not a one percenter i'm like a 99 whatever no i'm whatever but you know for the people that really can use it, improve their quality of life in the beginning, and then have it grow. And then the person that with two cars doesn't need one car. And then it could come to Princeton. Okay? And then that. And then it could come throughout New Jersey or throughout the nation. But the place to start the business case is Trenton. The place to get the, damn, the technology to work is Waymo. Great. And you can say, and we'll talk about it with respect to Pony 
in terms of, you know, there are opportunities, yes, uh, you know. It only works when the weather's good. Okay, so yeah, all right. But we'll get there with, you know, weather not quite being so good. But we don't want to start out in fog, in deep snow, in Manhattan. Thank you, Fred. Sorry about uh, the long harangue on no, that. I think that's an important one. It's, a, it's important just, and it's a great point. Yeah. Another headline we want to get to, and, and one of the obstacles, I guess, facing you, and you bring up Washington, D.C. and the president, there's another headline that the president of the Transportation Trades Department for the AFL-CIO has told a congressional subcommittee that autonomous vehicles place millions of jobs at risk and that the government should require human operators and all self-driving passenger services to take over in the event of an emergency. And we've we've talked about this before. Sure, and I mean, if do you they then make economic sense over? Well, forget the economic sense. Does it make mental sense of the worker that you're putting there? I mean, really, does someone want to be a member of a union where the people basically sit around and do nothing and wait, and then all of a sudden are required to? <clears throat> Break open their 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 shirts, expose the S of Superman, and save the day. I mean, where does that come from? Really, somebody is a leader of a group of individuals who want to just sit around and do nothing most of the time, but be prepared in the event of some hoo-hoo-hoo, to then be the responsible one to save the day. Think about it. Another headline that, that you bring up, Alan, uh, traffic control devices, considerations to support automated vehicle deployment. So tell us why this one's important. I don't know. I, I guess I guess I liked it. <laughs> I guess is the is the is the I mean, reason. You mentioned it, I know. I know. And I know. Yeah. And, and and what is what is good about it is is the reports explicitly says that it's going to focus on the traffic control devices without talking about the digital infrastructure or connected cars or other gizmos and really talk about you know the things that are important in traffic control and of course what i picked up out of this thing is that is that is good paint good road markings good signs not things that get to the gizmos oh fred i have a gizmo to sell here this thing's gonna work no go back to the go back to the beginning one thing that has been clear at least from some of us and many of us everybody included who have asked for things the ask the ask has been for good was for smooth roads no potholes and good paint those were the important things. 
things that we need ourselves to be good drivers. Things that, that you know, 94 supposedly percent of our crashes involve human misbehavior. The 6% that remain, and of course some of the 94% too, are because, you know, car hit a pothole, it broke a tire, got a flat tire, boom, they do, 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 but they do. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, technology is not going to do much. I mean, sure, we need better tires and run flat tires and all that. Do, 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 do. You know, it's probably a heck of a lot cheaper and easier just to fill the potholes and make sure the road's safe. And guess what? Everybody's happier. You don't even have to have an automated car to be happy about that one or a smart driving car of any variety. So let's continue to do that. I know it's tough. I know everybody wants to do that. Absolutely, no doubt, top. Second thing that we, that the only other thing that anybody's ever asked for is paint. Why aren't the lanes marked properly? And why can't I see them when I drive? How could I ever expect a smart driving car to see it? I don't want you to put magnets. I don't want you to put, you know, gizmos, because then I can't see them. But it's good paint, I can see. And guess what? Every one of these systems focuses on image processing gives the lanes. And I don't need some, you know, beep, 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 do, 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 da, 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 going into an implanted whatever to be do, 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 uh, infrastructure to whatever, da, da, deconnected, whatever. You know, give me a green light, a red light, and a yellow light that work. Give me a traffic a speed limit sign. I don't need it to ba, da, do, da, da, da. You can go 48 kilometers. You know, just show it to me. And don't put it behind a tree. Don't put a stop sign behind a bush. I know you can put a gizmo behind a bush. It'll go beep, 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 and some boop, boop, boop will pick it up. I mean, this is basic, and this goes back to the basic. And if you go to page 12, and then you go to the Huang Tesla crash, and you say to yourself, why wasn't the barrier, the arrestor, not replaced by the, you, by the California Department of Transportation? Why wasn't there one there? Well, because a car hit it earlier. Chances, I don't know, I, I haven't gone through and read, but chances that that car that destroyed that and probably saved the life of the person that's there, I don't know, maybe was it was hit by a human driver. Why? That diverge point didn't have the paint that's on page 12. And this isn't a uh, driver with the title of this. Uh, what's the title of the thing again, uh, Fred? Uh, the, the traffic control devices considerations to support automated vehicle deployment. Don't support automated vehicle deployment. This supports human-driven vehicle deployment. And people will hate me to say, level one and level two 
of the SAE levels. It doesn't have to go to three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. It's a benefit up front now. And guess what? Everybody's going to do that seven, eight, nine, 10 will take advantage of that and they'll do it easier. That's why this one's so darn important. It doesn't focus on, hey, how do I do an advanced gizmo that somebody's trying to sell to me that, 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 that's been captured by the ITS community and so on. Just the basic. This is a subtle one. And, you know, again, uh, um, and that's why I like it so much. <laughs> Another story to touch on here, Alan. Chinese startup Pony AI, you mentioned this one a little bit earlier too, has received uh, approval to test driverless vehicles on specific streets in Fremont, Milpitas, and Irvine, California. Yeah, and in specific weather conditions and at specific speeds of 45 miles an hour. The operational design domain is well defined. And that's great. And let's make sure and let's do that. And let's get to work in that. And guess what? Within that operational design domain, even in the cities that they're looking at, there are probably some customers. Not as many as in Trenton. <laughs> I keep telling them that's where the customers <laughs> are. Okay. And if, if you're worried about, oh man, the Trenton, people in Trenton are poor, they won't be able to pay for this. Not true. Just not true. Why? Because if you look at this and you do it right, this is affordable. We know that you have a lot of investment to write off, okay? But you have the opportunity to build a huge market that will readily write it off. This is still a front end infrastructure thing. This is why the, you know, the Biden administration and what's going on in Washington to get this started and to start it right in the right communities is that yes, you have attendance on board. You work it out in the beginning. You capture the societal, the societal aspects. You get people comfortable with this so that all of a sudden it does work, it works really. It's just that people aren't convinced yet. So you do that front end. That's like building a building. That's like building a road. That's infrastructure. Because the intent is, is that then that disappears. And what are you left with? You're left with, okay, writing off your investment. But, you know, you're going to do that over time with a much bigger market. Then you have now the operating cost of a vehicle that, in fact, if you look at the technology and there, the driver right now costs a little bit. GPS receivers used to be $80,000, okay? Then they went down. When I first got involved with it, I had to pay 100 bucks, FOB Australia, up front for one of those things. What's the cost of materials for a GPS receiver in this thing now? What, eight cents, 80 cents, Some, something ridiculous. That's the beauty of this thing. But you had to get it started. This is where this whole, you know, if there's going to be infrastructure money, put some in this. 
get the upfront, get the sociology right. And then all of a sudden, now if you share rides and you do this, then what's the cost? What, 25, 30 cents a person mile? There's no other trend mobility system that you can put out there horizontally that is going to give mobility to folks at that kind of cost. And we, and then, hey, charge 40 cents. And my goodness, if you have to go out and ask for alms, alms for the poor to get mobility for the poor, what are you asking for? You're asking for 30 cents a vehicle mile, a person mile. <sighs> a lot of people will line up. There's for that. That's the beauty. To, we don't need to open the can of worms, but the uh, probably the public transportation costs where it exists are a whole lot higher than that. Look, absolutely. You know, I, one of the good things that, that was in the New York Times recently, you know, with respect to trying to convince people uh, uh, to get vaccinated. What do you need to report? You need to report cases and hospitalizations and deaths. Not in one category, in two. One, those that have been vaccinated, those that haven't. Read and weep, okay? I don't know what, I haven't seen what the, one should never say, hey, try the glove on, see if it fits, without knowing that the glove fits, okay? I understand, and I have not seen these numbers. But uh, maybe I would make the same mistake as was made in the in the O.J. Simpson courtroom. But my goodness, I think if anybody would look at those numbers, if they were published that way, they 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 couldn't run to go get vaccinated fast enough. Okay, so here, you know, put the numbers out there and let people decide. In Germany. They're, they're moving along here. Uh, they've uh, agreed to allow some driverless vehicles on public roads, including small buses and shuttles for passengers and goods on predetermined routes. Uh, that's uh, passed by one house of the legislature there. They're going to bring it in. It's expected to pass fully. Uh, and uh, so I guess moving along, but again, it's the operational design domain and very yeah, but what here. what is what is what is this on on predetermined routes? I, I don't know. Maybe maybe we need to maybe we need to parse the sentence to see what predetermined route. No vehicle is going to go on a route that has not been predetermined. <laughs> okay, I mean, almost by definition. Okay. At some point along the path, it will have to have predetermined that it wants to turn left or it wants to turn right. Now, the predetermination may be, you know, four nanoseconds before it gets to the actual who I got to turn the wheel. And so I guess, you know, you parse a sentence correctly in the legislation, everything, you know. But if the con if it but if it's more of a pedestrian concept of predetermined route that all of a sudden it has to be a bus route. I mean, come on, the advantage of this thing is I have a network of places where this works. And I can choose to go the right way between you know where I want to come from and where I want to go to to be, you know, all prim and proper 
without having it set. And now if I have a network of places, I could go predetermine all of the routes that I might want to ever take. Sure, I can solve that. I can have that in the computer. It will be, it will be not n squared, okay, roots. It will be n squared times the number of times that there might be a road work here or whatever there or a broken traffic light there that I may have to do. I can compute all those ahead. But you know that that begins to that begins to to, to be a, a really big number. What is why who's stuck? What why did that get into the ledges? I, I don't get it. But anyway, I applaud them, whatever. This is Germany going to do this, right? Does yeah. it does it snow in Germany? I think so. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's it's not Arizona. It's 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 not Phoenix, right? It's it's great. I mean, you know, somebody's wonderful. I love it. It's because it, because in California, the pony, they said only in in clear weather. Okay, <laughs> in the operational design domain or whatever, maybe light rain or something. Well, California's DMV is reviewing whether Tesla is violating a state regulation by advertising its vehicles as being fully autonomous without meeting the legal definition of self-driving. This, uh, the department did this confirming a request from the Associated Press. Legal definition of self-driving, I don't know. I mean, we, we argue about it here. I, you know, I, I've argued self-driving is a, you know, is a thing that, you know, sometimes the car drives and sometimes I drive, but its ability to go from A to B from where I want to go to where I am to where I want to go, it can't do the whole thing. Okay. And it's an important thing to be able to distinguish that from when I'm in there overseeing the whole darn thing. Okay. And, and, and involved because the one thing that the, the one, the one use case, the one business case, the one value case of being able to go from A to B is that maybe some people will be able to have an adult beverage at dinner. Okay. Because if they do, then I need, I, th there needs to be a driver. There needs to be a, a, a driver that didn't participate in, in that, in that adult beverage. Now that can be you, Fred, because I drag you along dinner for me to drive me home. Or it could be the computer that's in my car or, or the computer that's in an Uber car or Lyft car or Waymo car or whatever car. It's gonna take me from that watering hole to my bedroom or to my front door or to wherever I can crawl from, okay? And, and you know, that's the important, to me, that's the fundamentally important distinction. In the, in, the, in the one case, I have to stand, sit there, and I may not have my hands on the wheel. I may not have my feet, and my feet are up on the pedals, but I'm there making sure everything's okay. In the other case, I can be doing this. <laughs> very different. Yeah. Very, very, very different. Okay.
Well, we'll be back with more. But first, this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, read the white paper. It's called The Smart Transportation Revolution. It's under the Insights and News tab. Lots of great information there to help you make informed decisions, better decisions about investing. You may know ETFs can be a smart way to spread risk with investments and focus perhaps on a particular category of stocks. That site, once again, is MOTOETF.com. Alan, this past week, Ford unveiled the all-electric version of the F-150, which has been the top-selling vehicle in the U.S. for something like four decades. It may result in much more rapid growth of EVs, many are speculating. I had the opportunity for my Textination report to interview the chief engineer of the F-150 Lightning. Very happy to have with us the woman who is Ford's chief engineer for the F-150 Lightning, Linda Zhang. Congratulations, Linda, and thank you for being with us. Thank you, Fred. I'm so happy to be here. Well, so there you were Wednesday night unveiling the Ford F-150 Lightning to the world, along with the executive chairman, the CEO, and the UAW VP. Put into words what that feeling was like. Oh, it was amazing. It was literally like a dream come true. Um, and the way that um, the world headquarters here was set up, with the beautiful stage right out front, with the building being used as um, basically a projector for, for everything that was going on with all the um, footage of the truck playing as well as, uh, you know, as we were presenting. So it was beautiful and it was just so lively and fun. We had um, a, a, some, some of our customers out here as well as a, a lot of our um, employees out here as well so it was uh it was really nice along with uh, a lot of media so right and personally what an accomplishment is it of special significance that, that you're a woman an asian american woman who came to this country with your family as a child and a mom oh you know um i'm just so blessed to be be able to represent the vehicle and to help you know represent the truck but also the team. We have such an awesome team with such dedicated and passionate people that just love everything about the product and want to give our customers um, everything that it is. So we bring in all different points of views here um, with this product, making sure that we get our customers the best of what it is, whether it's, you know, truck usage for, for our for for towing or hauling or if it's um you know tech features um with this truck with you know the level two driving as well as leveraging that electrification to provide our customers with more power more space and uh more um power but from an exportable perspective as well, well leveraging that battery the, the the power is certainly shifting towards women in in the automotive industry overall it, it looks like <laughs> um i think there's just a lot of really great people here so it's not necessarily about me or anything like that um we have lots of different points of views uh, around the team and we have lots of genders whether female or male and uh you know include all those cool points of views as well as uh different usages of uh you know young people younger folks folks with families as well as older folks too so it's great 
And it's nice can, to be able you, to leverage that really diverse team to pull in all the different kind of voices for what uh, voices for our customers. And we've actually done a lot of really great research too. So, um, and customer clinics to try to take in as much as we can from our customer base in terms of developing this vehicle. I was going to say you've been with Ford for a long time now. How many years? 25 years. Wow. Working not always as a in the engineering capacity too, right? You kind of worked your way into that, or? Well, so I I am an electrical engineer by trade, um, and I also have a computer engineering degree and an MBA degree. So for me, um, I actually started in manufacturing, um, working with the engines actually um, from a manufacturing design perspective. And then from there, as I as I was at the company, um, pretty much right after my bachelor's degree, the company actually was really great. Ford's, uh, you know, sent me back to school for my MBA as well as my master's of computer engineering. So um, I kind of grew into bigger and bigger roles, um, taking on not only manufacturing but also engineering uh, des- from a design perspective. And um, as well as kind of business roles here too. So business and strategy. So it's been great. Wow. And, and then there was this challenge of building an all electric version of the workhorse F-150. And this little thing called COVID in the, in the midst of it. <laughs> so tell us about the, the, the real challenges that you've faced here in trying to, to electrify a vehicle like the F-150 known as the staple, the workhorse, the everything for so many. Yeah, the F-150 is awesome. And the F-Series brand itself is just such an important icon, right? For for America in general, 44 years of sales leadership. So that's what we were building from. And in a way that was also um, an expectation that we needed to live up to. So if you think about it in terms of you know, what this product is, at the end of the day, it still needed to be a truck. And we heard that loud and clear from all kinds of customers, that this was something that needed to be able to provide our customers with capability to, um, to capability, productivity, and functionality, right? So towing, hauling, all the things that they currently do with the truck um, to be able to get their job done, to be able to, you know, drive around and, and do things with their families, all of those still had to stay within this truck. So that was kind of the foundation for everything. And um, at Ford here, we've got, you know, over a century of truck know-how in a way. So being able to pull all of that in to make sure that from a durability and productivity perspective that we were giving our truck customers exactly what they need, but then also building on the electrification to give them even more, right? Electrification opened us up so many avenues in this truck, whether it's performance and that, you know, smoother acceleration and fast acceleration, but also the ride aspect of it too. That's like the first bit that electrification opens up with that instant, near instant torque. Uh, But then secondly, um, if you think about it in terms of a traditional vehicle has an, an, Combustion, a combustion engine in the front, right? Well, with a battery electric vehicle, we don't need that. So that opens up new spaces that our current customers can't have. Um, so for us, we were able to take, the, to take that space and not just provide a very basic, tiny little frunk to our customers, right? The front trunk. Um, we actually made ours 
a mega power frunk. And it's literally huge. And that's why we call it mega because it's wide enough for two full sets of golf bags. It's, it's big enough to be able to carry a full checked in bag and two carry-ons plus lots of little bags. Um, and not only that, it's sturdy. It's durable with 400 pounds of payload right up front. And we, you know, re-engineered the, the suspension a bit in the front to be able to handle that payload. So that's the mega aspect of this mega power front. And then the powered aspect of it is it's powered. We have four outlets and two USBs up front. So if you think about it from that perspective, I mean, really being able to provide more power for the customer. I mean, in a way, we're going to be reinventing the tailgating here, right? It's going to be front gating in a way. Um, and then also it comes um, with a standard, a power open close front hood. So it just like, you know, you can think of it similar to a tailgate, but there was a lot of you know, different challenges from an engineering perspective to get the front um, power power uh, up and down functionality um, so that our customers can, you know, with a touch of a button, or actually we have multiple ways to get in, but a touch of a button, get in and easily load and unload. Um, uh, this was an area that we did a lot of customer research and cl customer clinics on, and our, our customers literally helped us design this. They told us, I want this right here. I want that right here. So as a part of that, we, we actually have a drain at the bottom of this, again, kind of going toward that whole tailgating. The, there's a, a you know, mini bin that's in our mega power frunk. It's not mini, by the way, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bin cubby that's kind of at the bottom of this um, mini of, the, of this mega power frunk, and it literally has a drain in it. So you can pour ice in there, you can put beverages in there, or you know, if you think of it, about it as a, you know, normally a dry and lockable store storage area. Um, but if you needed to, you can use it as a wet area as well, right? And let, let's say you're out hiking and your boots are completely muddy. Instead of having to chuck them in the, in the back of the box and have them, you know, run around, you can put them in the front, in the cubby. And then afterwards, take a hose and just wash it all down. And I mean, just amazing amount of space and you, uh, um, utility in, in this. And our customers helped us design almost every bit of it. So that that was... Um, one of the biggest passion points for us in, in this uh, in this truck and what it's able to provide for our customers that current vehicles just can't do. Wow. And then there's all the tech. I mean, you, you're, you've got over-the-air updates uh, in this, uh, meaning continuing improvements as, as you go along. And there's an option for Blue Cruise, if I understand correctly, for hands-free driving on certain roads. Tell, tell me a little about that and, and how attentive will the person behind the wheel need to be with, with Blue Cruise? Yeah, so Blue Cruise is our hands-free driving. It, it's basically a level two autonomy in a way. And the way that the vehicle is set up is, um, you know, we, we have, you know, all kinds of sensors around the vehicle. But in addition to that, inside the vehicle, we actually have um, an a, a eye camera in a way to make sure that the that our customers are still paying attention to the road, right? So it isn't, um, it, but it, it, so it isn't like, oh, go to sleep or anything. You still, you know, you still want to pay attention to the road, but it is full hands-free, which is really nice. And um, it's available on 
all of the um, blue blue zone kind of certified roads. So a lot of major highways, a lot of um, you know e even um, some of the roads. And with um, with Blue Cruise, there's a lot of really cool features, including intelligent ACC um, with stop and go. So it'll you know accelerate and decelerate for you depending on who, the traffic around you. It's really really cool. And uh, the team's done a great job with it. And then not only that, the, the, the great thing about this product is um, not necessarily, you know, what we provide the customer at that point of sale, but also the fact that it has over the air updates uh, available for the entire truck. So as, as um, more developments happen, as, and as more, you know, technology and software become available, we'll be able to provide those updates to our customers and just keep the truck um, as, as smart as possible and, and in a way getting smarter every day. That's terrific. And you do have, you will, I assume, be taking steps to ensure that there's not driver misbehavior using Blue Cruise so that uh, they don't get themselves in trouble and then Ford in trouble along with them. Yeah, yeah, we have, um, you know, cameras in the inside the vehicle to help manage, um, you know, how the eyes positioned and paying attention on the road. So yeah, it, it's, um, it's a great little technology. Very smart. So what are your thoughts about the challenge of providing all the capacity the power grid's going to need as EVs grow in popularity? There's an engineering challenge there. You don't want to be charging these vehicles using coal, obviously. So the really cool thing about this this vehicle is actually some of those power capabilities, right? So right now, I think you know that with our hybrids, we're actually able to deliver some level of pro power on board, or on the go. So like in case of the the uh, the issues in Texas with power outages, folks were able to go ahead and plug their, you know, um, whatever it is in that they needed into the truck to be able to get juice out of the the, the hybrid battery. With this. Um, all, all electric vehicle, we have a much big, bigger battery. So a lot more capability for that pro power on board, whether it's plugging, you know, more things in, keeping a, a work site going or a campsite going, um, or um, we actually are starting a, 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 an even cooler feature, which is um, this ability to use the vehicle as a backup generator in the home as well, right? So with uh, with our wall box and if, if uh, a home inverter is installed, it could actually help protect the customer's home as a whole, um, as an entire ecosystem during these outages. So then you can kind of um, plan your, plan your um, not only like the times that you charge and utilizing that, that energy in the vehicle for, for, um, for accepting the, 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 the electricity, it can actually, in a way, change the direction that of that flow and power your home as well. Um, and based on a lot of the analysis that we've done, this is something that um, our customers are super excited about, especially, you know, in cases of like California, where they have rolling blackouts, right? So in a way, what the what the vehicle can do is sustain the home. And then, you know, when there is power, uh, smart enough to charge the vehicle up so that you can kind of keep using this uh, vehicle almost as a buffer for your home energy. And I think I read that in terms of keeping the vehicle charged, uh, that you are going to have a partnership uh, with Sunrun, encouraging people to, to use solar power when, when possible. Uh, 
yeah so so that's that's this uh intelligent backup um our partnership would be with sunrun to provide the home inverter as well as any solar work that the, the customers may choose and that'll help with um both the bi-directional kind of aspect of this power um but also you're right i mean in a way it allows our customers to kind of go greener with the solar panels and be less reliant on the grid right because i guess if we have so many new evs out there the question is can the, can the grid as it exists today uh handle it and then the answer is that we're going to need some new solutions i suppose yeah, possibly. Yeah, I'm just the chief engineer here. But uh, right. yes, infrastructure is something that's going to be really important. And that's where, you know, I, I think um, it's in a way it's really nice because this truck has gotten a lot of really great attention. Right. President Biden was out here on Tuesday and, you know, he, he's very passionate about electrification. So in a way, um, hopefully he'll be helping with some of that um, infrastructure as well. Now I know you're in the in the parking lot there or, or nearby. Do you have the ability to get out and, and show us the truck at all? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I can do that. So we actually have a different truck today out here um, than the one that was used for reveal. In the meantime, tell us you know, and you can show us maybe. What do you think some of the key features are that are going to attract people to the F one hundred and fifty Lightning? Maybe those who are new to the brand overall and and the the many, many long time F-150 owners. So I'm at the truck here. Um, All right. So let me show you real quick and then I'll get back to, to you on that question. Is that okay? Sure. So this is our truck with our world headquarters building behind it. Um, this one is a Lariat truck, uh, but as you can see, it's, uh, it's still very much a truck truck, right? And that's what we heard from a lot of truck customers is that they wanted it to look distinct and modern, but not different. Um, they didn't want it to be necessarily a science experiment. Uh, they wanted it to, to not only look like a truck, but also function like a truck. So, you know, for example, on the side, you can see, you know, we have a very traditional box. And I think that's helpful because, you know, you can come up and lean in and, uh, you know, grab things versus, you know, if you have an angled kind of thing or some other kind of different design, it's just because it's much harder. Um, in addition, uh, we also heard from a lot of truck customers that they wanted the, the box to stay very much similar because they wanted to be able to take their um, current vehicle accessories, whatever they might have for um, for box and, and just transfer it right into the product. So in a way, um, that was something that we kept very common as well. But if we take a look at the front of the vehicle, right, if, as we talk about distinct but not different, we can see that we it does have a very distinct look with the light bar um, going uh, around the headlamps, around the grill, and then on the other side of the headlamps. Um, so that gives it that nice, beautiful, distinct look, whether it's day or night. Um, also, our headlamps are uh, full LED projectors uh, with dynamic bending. And uh, that technology is is really great, and it's really helpful from from a, a functionality perspective. That dynamic dy that dynamic bending really allows you know the headlamps almost to swivel a bit when you're starting to turn. Right, it takes that steering um, input into consideration, and and basically dials the headlamps 
to the left if you're starting to steer to the left. Also that grill um, and all the sheet metal on the vehicle, we do have a lot of changes for hood, fender and box. And uh, uh, we, it does really a lot from an aerodynamics perspective. So this is the most aerodynamic F-150 uh, that we've ever built. So that light bar is gonna be the giveaway for people when they see these on the road. <laughs> yeah, so the front light bar, and then also um, we actually did quite a bit to the rear as well. And you'll see that there is a rear light bar that goes all the way across too. Um, and uh, a very distinct tail lamp look, right? The team did a great job on the lightning badge with a lot of really cool detail with uh, the black as well as uh, the blue font. So really a lot of exciting stuff and a lot of details in the vehicle, um, even the wheels, right? These are very, very aerodynamic, um, but they're also really beautiful and got a lot of detail to them. Linda, the range starts where and, and goes to where? Um, so the range on the standard battery is 230 miles and on the extended battery is 300 miles. And that's across the, the various models that, that you'll have out there. Yes, yes. And the starting price, just under $40,000. That's an accomplishment too for a vehicle like this, right? Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. We were, we've worked so hard to ensure that we kept costs down in the vehicle, leveraging a lot of the um, awesome benefits of you know, having a large company, being able to buy in scale uh, whether it's, you know, modules or seats or even just software development, right? So a lot of what we talked about with the Blue Cruise, um, we're able to offer um, that on a lot of vehicles. So that software development, that, that, um, that, cal that some of those that work, uh, basically in a way gets to, you know, be, be um, reused a bit in a way. And uh, we, we leverage that scale. And uh, that's what helps us provide an entry pricing of 39974 It's um, it, It's very, very, it, it's a wow price, right? Because I think it'll allow um, electrification to be adopted a lot easier uh, with for our customers. And while the F-150 Lightning doesn't arrive until the spring of next year, people can reserve their spot in line with a $100 deposit starting now, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, I encourage everybody to do that. Um, it is such an awesome product. Um, and uh, reservation started last night right after reveal. And uh, from what I'm hearing, it's, uh, it's, it's going very well. So I, I encourage everyone to get in and get their spot in line. Ford.com is the place to go. Linda Zhang, thank you so much for taking the time with us and giving us a little tour. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me, Fred. Alan, Linda Zhang did point out that with Blue Cruise, the vehicle will be watching the driver to ensure attentiveness. Yeah, I think, I, of course. And I, of course, uh, you know, uh, um, it's 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 really important and just like when gm came out with their system they put in a system to be, be able to make sure that the that the user behaves and pays attention and they do that in in not just the fine print that's everywhere but in the bold print and then the presentation to make sure that that 
that the human oversight to the to the comfort and convenience aspects of the automated driving operations when they're made available continue to be available but with human supervision so one can one can't tolerate any misbehavior by the individual on that and 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 one must continue to make it absolutely perfectly clear that that's what's the requirement yes i can be there like this i can i can whatever but i can't do that if you can see that my eyes are closed and maybe i can do a quick one but it really has to be a quick one and it can only be in the situations because you know these systems they are smart enough they they know one of the things that they fundamentally monitor with all the objects in the lane ahead is the time to collision you know that is kind of a fundamental thing that's in all of them it assumes that it's going to stay in the lane it assumes that you know well, whatever about the speed and it's tracking all the objects ahead and and anticipating you know time to collision should that object begin to stop or stop so there are many many most of the situations in which we drive in which the time to collision time to collision of, of objects ahead is actually infinity why because there aren't any within any you know reasonable distance that you can see so in those situations, then the system is smart enough and is not is comfortable enough to maybe let you do a little test. Okay. But as the time the collision starts coming down with objects, you know, it's gonna tell you, hey, you can't do that. You gotta pay attention. Okay. No, it doesn't have to. <gasps> okay. But it it can do that. And it should, and you should. And then when things all of a sudden, somebody cuts in on you, whatever, da, da, da. Well, if somebody's, there's nobody there to cut in on you then, and the time to, it knows. Not enough time for you to hop in the back seat. Not enough time for you to catch a snooze. It knows. And so therefore, you know, having it in there and having people realize that in fact you you have to re remain alert really important fundamentally important and that's good there's also the the point that that many are making that having an all-electric f-150 i mean this iconic vehicle that ford has been on top with for for so long is going to make a, a huge difference in, in the EV market. And I talked to uh, Linda a bit about the, you know, where the electricity comes from and all that. And she's, well, she's an engineer working on the vehicle, but she's hoping that, you know, Washington deals with that issue. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, I think everybody realizes that uh, I, you, you don't want to put the, the, that burden on them. That, that's another, that's another burden to put on other people that in fact, you know, if we're really going to, 
to to have a, a EVs out there, and they are the best way to address the environment. Then then we have to do two things. We have to first have the thing that's going to eat the energy, eat the right energy, and then the second thing is is that we have to put the right food on the table on the right tables at the right places. And so you know, putting the, that food on the table is is an other thing. You know, if you uh, we've discussed this in the past. If you look at the, the amount of energy that's required uh, for mobility, uh, you know, cars and, and those kinds of things, uh, and uh, and the amount of energy that is currently uh, produced and delivered through electricity, you basically see see you have to double it. <laughs> you know, because the things that are currently, uh, you know. The, the meals that are being provided to those industries uh, still have to be provided so that has to continue on but now you have a you have a new person at the table who's who has an enormous appetite <laughs> so you have to find it someplace okay so yeah that that's a separate one the interesting and 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 you know, there there's certain I don't know maybe it's, this is unfair there's certain people that that drive pickup trucks right and to to get that sector of the of the consumers really seeing that the that the electric vehicles are um, are really appropriate is is really important you know most of the other thoughts on the on, on with electric vehicles were sort of targeted not not that they were targeted toward markets but you know markets that, that and not to suggest that those that drive for f-150s aren't tree huggers but you know i mean the well, they're, Ford, they're, Ford they're, is making a point in, in trying to sell this idea. And of course, they've opened pre-orders now for a hundred bucks. Once again, you can yeah. get in get, get in line. But they're making a point that this is more powerful in terms of towing capacity, the, the hauling capacity. All of that is is there. And, yeah, uh, of and all of these other convenience factors of being able to plug in all of your tools, et cetera whatever this is this is an f-150 in every sense of the word is what they're trying to sell absolutely and they have a great point to make and it, you know and if you sort of look at how elon has partially sold the teslas he's 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 he may have sold it to, to the so-called you know when i was in high school to the greasers i mean you know holy mackerel i mean the acceleration is what and what's Elon out there claiming for his new roadster? I mean, zero <laughs> to 60 and 1.1 with the SpaceX afterburner. I mean, it just makes me cringe every time. Sounds I like it would one. hurt my neck. I don't know. I, I, you know, I mean, whatever. So if you, if you, and, and it's kind it's really interesting, you know, and I haven't done it. I, the people that buy Teslas, uh, I don't know that they've ended up being people that really want to want the acceleration out of the darn things, but but those things do accelerate. We've known that. We've known that. Now, you know, maybe the problem with an electric motor is you don't have to have a transmission. Therefore, I can't double clutch the sucker and go through all the gears and whatever. And so, you know, maybe Elon needs to put a fake, you know, four on a floor for me. I don't know. I and guess the speaker I guess, that goes vroom vroom. You know, <laughs> you know, but you know, I'm I'm the old guy. I'm sure that the, that that all the you know the kids that they don't even know what the heck that is. So I, you know, I guess that's there, there's no interest in that. But 
to go and hit the the pickup community and put a more than viable product out there and whether or not they were ford was motivated by again elon putting out his cyber truck and whether or not you know maybe maybe the cyber truck is going to in some sense completely backfire on on elon because 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 of course you know the the, the cyber aspect of the cyber truck is not really what that what that consumer wants they want the ford f-150 they want to be able to plug their other stuff in they they actually use the ford f-150 to put food on their table you know most of those people and so it, it, it's a productivity vehicle it's not just a a um, a show-off vehicle as the as the um um cyber truck may end up being and and it's you know i just watched it as a spectator sort of this whole play evolved between cyber truck and the f uh, f-150 i haven't written or we haven't discussed it much here but i well, think both, I, both I, won't arrive until the earliest with the cyber truck would be late this year and the f-150 next year mid-year yeah yeah, yeah but the the build-up has been there and i i applaud ford for coming out with a big build-up the way they've come to with a big build-up in some sense maybe encouraged by the cyber truck i think they you know they have to admit that they were encouraged by that and 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 the competition that, that was set up and the and the interest that was set up and certainly the buzz and the clickbait associated with it and 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 so it, it but it, it seems as if that what ford is coming out there with is a really practical and in fact very interesting uh, truck that takes advantage of the ev thing and makes the ev thing you know really um really sellable and and, and consumable by that community and um you know I'm, it seems to me that they've done a really good job. They went out with it, this big production in terms of the announcements over the past week. And I, I you know, I applaud them. Uh, th that sector of the economy, of the, of the vehicle economy is going to continue on. People, there's, there's a, it's, it's proven, as you said, over many years that, you know, pickups are really, um, um, important and and I think Ford is uh, Ford deserves a lot of applause on that uh, and 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 uh, and what they're doing so it's great and we appreciate uh, Linda Zhang for taking the time and, and Ford for taking the time to be with us we also want to thank our sponsor the smart ETFs smart transportation and technology ETF the ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO and more information is available at MOTOETF.com. You can find us once again at SmartDrivingCar.com. Also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, wherever you get your podcasts, really. And you can get your smart speaker to play us, too. You can find my tech reports and that full interview once again with, with Linda at Textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching, and please continue stay safe. Thank you, everybody.